firebomb. Shotgun. Welcome to Soundpiece. Soundpiece is a podcast about contemporary sound artworks. Uh, I'm Adam Farkas. I'm Sean Griffiths. And today we're a uh, pleasure to be joined by Andy Slater. Hi, Andy. Hi. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. Thank you. Cool. Well, thanks for, for joining us. It's really great to have you here. And I think to, to jump right in to talk about the, the piece uh, that we just heard, uh, Give Up the Ghost, I, I have this kind of like interesting thing around this where uh i i'm not super familiar with arcades like i know of them but i'm not an arcade geek or person like i never really experienced them i guess i'm starting with an interpretation that'll lead to a question so what my 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 interpretation is like this is then kind of giving me this like inroad into like experiencing a thing that i I don't know really well and it feels nostalgic and kind of like um like a little gift in that way uh but i think can you tell us anything about your relationship to arcades or maybe to this specific arcade? Yeah, I'll, I'll just arcades in general. Um, you know, I'm, I'm almost 46 now. So I was a kid when, you know, the, the original video game sort of, uh, I don't know, movement started when that stuff started getting popular after, you know, Pac-Man and, and that sort of thing. When, when the world of entertainment moved more from from pinball into you know upright arcade games and so i started going to arcades maybe when i was like 10 which was you know 85 when maybe even earlier when these sort of things like everything just all this new tech was coming out right you know cool cool like sounds and and all that kind of stuff and so um you know in in graphics that just looked so realistic which was is now you Mm -hmm. know stuff that you know, Minecraft looks better than that. If you know, I don't, I'm going to start talking video games. And if you don't know, then, you know, I, I apologize if it's, if it's, you know, not, not. Yeah. So, um, well, if we need any context, we'll ask, right. but it might be helpful for other listeners. Okay, too. cool. So I'm with you. Yeah, right. I play video, you know, games. Old, old video <laughs> games back in the day when the graphics were, were, you know, very pixelated and, you know, um, there was probably, 120k worth of memory that went into programming any of this stuff. So really, kind of arcane compared to today's standards. Um, it you know these rooms were huge with a you know a, a bunch of arcade games. Um, 
big upright boxes with beautiful graphics of centipedes and stuff that looked nothing like what you would, you know, on, on the outside, you know, uh, uh, you know, like the, the, the printed and painted designs that look nothing like what the graphics are within, you know, these beautiful things that set you up for a little box that moves around the screen. Um, and I would just walk around these spaces and watch people play. And then when I had a chance to get in there and get to a game, I would play and I wasn't always good. Um, you know, my, my, I'm, I'm blind, right? I'm, I'm legally blind. I've got very low vision mm -hmm. and I did when I was a kid, it was, you know, it was a lot better than it is today. Um, so I really just loved all of these sights and sounds. Right. And I, I just, you know, generally wasn't very good at it. Um, but you know, it was always like a bunch of, bunch of people, like a bunch of long haired dudes with big combs in their back pockets, like, you know, slamming on the stuff, like go, 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 like that kind of crap where it's just like, these guys are cool with their denim jackets and their Iron Maiden patches and their cigarettes and stuff. Um, so the, the sort of sounds like just electronic bleeps and blorps have always been uh, very dear to me. And I do a lot of um, like synthesis, like analog synthesizers and modular synths and stuff like that. Um, and, and, and my interest in that has always been inspired by video game sounds. And so um, as these sort of games have progressed to be more complex and harder to look at um, and more expensive. They were no longer a quarter. They were like a buck 50 or whatever to play street fighter and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, I lost interest mainly just out of practicality. You know, I'd still go to an arcade maybe and hang out while my friends played and that sort of stuff. Um, and the same thing happened with like home consoles. Once it started getting like 16 bit to 32 bit, my vision could no longer really keep up with, with it. Um, and so, um, I, th there's the galloping ghost, which is an arcade. It's like the world's largest vintage arcade, um, in North America, <laughs> the world's largest in North America, <laughs> the North of North America's largest vintage arcade, um, huge place. And it's out in, uh, I believe Bowling Brook or Oak Brook or something like that, which is close to where I live in Berwyn, Illinois. And, um, uh -huh. My son, who is 16 now, is, is really into video games, especially like classic stuff and, you know, new stuff or whatever. And he had a birthday party on the day that I went and did these field recordings. And um, all of the sounds in that piece are, are recorded as me eavesdropping. I didn't play one game. So it's me either recording what other people are doing or even just like the demo sounds as these, you know, arcade, these upright arcade consoles go unattended. Um, because I don't know, there, there's part of me that just wants to be a spectator now and not sit down and try to play something and just fail immediately. Um, but you know, like my, my whole motivation of doing this was just to capture the sounds of the ambiance of a hundred plus arcades at once, arcade games in one space. And then these more personal sort of things where I had the field recorder right up to the speakers and, and that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm like, I'm a dorky space age whiz kid as like Joe Walsh would, would, would have called me in the eighties. <laughs> so I hope that answers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. Cool. It was, was, uh, Galloping Ghost like an arcade that you went to when you were a kid? Oh or no. Was that a, a different place? Um, no. So I grew up in, in Milford, Connecticut outside of New Haven. And so I went okay. to... 
the Milford Recreation Center, the rec, you know, and like the fun factory and all these sort of things where like there was, you know, the big boom um, of video games in the early to mid 80s. So, you know, these big sort of like, you know, mecca, mecca, mega sort of um, places with go-karts and mini golf and like Nathan's hot dogs and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Total germ fest. Right. And so like that's one of the reasons why I put this piece together. This was recorded in 2018. And the real reason that I I put it together was thinking of like, you know, I do a lot of field recording and just had this archive and then realized in um, April and May when I when I put this together that who the hell knows when anybody's going to get to an arcade again, let alone this place, you know, you know, touching surfaces, you know, uh, being in tight quarters with people um you know breathing everywhere Mm -hmm. and COVID and stuff so really kind of Mm -hmm. in memory of you know not only nostalgia for me because of my age but nostalgia for January of 2020 you know so yeah it's kind of an homage to that where it's yeah um and a collection of sounds that have influenced me in my work over the years so yeah it was you know and I have hours of this stuff so do you feel like there's nostalgia for those specific older games or is it the space that those games inhabit or is there a difference there? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I think it's nostalgia for both for sure. Um, I guess they, they kind of do connect, but you know, it's it, a lot of it is, is a spaces. I know that a lot of people can just relate to missing big crowded spaces that at the time like concerts and bars and malls and stuff like that people kind of regret having to go to a lot but I think that now it's a lot of us would just really jump at the chance to have that experience safely Mm -hmm. again you know um Mm -hmm. you know even like an art going to an art gallery now um I don't know any that are open, but, you know, with these kind of restrictions and gallery hours being tighter and tighter, even though that's kind of generally how it would be if you go to a gallery, um, it still seems so incredibly weird that you're just not supposed to interact with the public. Yeah, I looked up photos of this place and looked up the Facebook page and they're doing live streams and stuff still. Yeah. And it simultaneously had the drive and the desire, rather, to, like, want to go there Mm -hmm. and then an immediate repulsion for my, my per, for exactly. personal health and safety. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, you know, and they, and they realize, you know, they, they would have hand sanitizer stuff all over the place, you know, be, before yeah. all, you know, like realizing like, oh God, this is so gross. There's kids, kids that pick their nose and stuff and don't wash their hands, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's just adults with who knows what they do with their hands. So it's just, you know, and breathing on the screen and, you know, they're constantly cleaning stuff up and, you know, and everything. But yeah, yeah, it's that's <laughs> it's a cesspool. That, that's really great. I mean, it, it makes it makes me think about I, I went to um, Meow Wolf in mm. uh, Santa mm. Fe. Uh, yeah. A little bit more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met with somebody who was a professor at UW or um, University of New Mexico afterward. And we were talking about that experience and I was talking about the, the kids and this kind of immersive art environment and w- what that does for the community. And her response was, well, it gives everyone the flu. Yeah. Yep. Because it's just a site where everyone goes <laughs> and then people leave and get sick all the time yep. because it's just like, 
all these surfaces that are just meant to be touched and laid in mm-hmm. and this like weird yeah it, weird bodiness yeah you know and it's like going to the museum of science and industry or the children's museum and that sort of that sort of thing yeah those ball pits yeah <laughs> chuck e cheese <laughs> you know i mean a lot of those places are you know changing and and stuff and, and so like i um i had a, a few exhibitions and in, in shows that were canceled last year and then um a few that might go online or 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 i might prepare cool. for for vr this year but there's one a show that i'm in right now at the mca it's called the long dream and it's a it's mm. a sound installation binaural recording and usually my museum and gallery installations are headphone sort of pieces right um you know kind of mixed and presented binaurally so you get this kind of immersive sort of um, audio experience pers- very personal um, and then a lot of my work also has um, text. Like I will do some kind of like alternate text to the sound for people who are deaf or hard of hearing or people that don't want to put the headphones on to kind of have some kind of experience with my art. Um, and and then I will also braille that up for people that read braille. And so mm-hmm. in this situation, that wasn't happening, right? You know, it's just kind of like nobody's touching anything. Nobody's touching these headphones. Nobody's touching the braille excuse me, any of that kind of stuff. So instead of like going mm-hmm. going through the process of creating some kind of interactive app, um, we basically took this binaural recording and set it up with these, you know, parabolic, hyperbolic speakers or whatever that you stand under and you hear it and then you move away mm-hmm. and you don't hear it. So, um, and, you know, being, having this relationship with sound, being, you know, visually impaired and stuff, kind of, I, 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 kind of try to steer away from having speaker installations and in, in galleries unless I have my own space for it because you know this sound is really distracting for somebody you know often very distracting for somebody you know who's visually impaired who's you know uses their hearing for absolutely everything you know like safety and navigation and a lot of mm-hmm. us are really you know overactively listening to stuff and so yeah I, I always kind of like to contain that so that somebody can really focus on the sound so you know that sort of thing, things have changed and I, I have to start like mixing and mastering my work and even considering it when I, when I create it now, where it's going to be, if it's not going to be in headphones and it's not going to be a personal sort of thing. Um, so, you know, like my, my work has, has changed a lot because of, of COVID and, and health concerns and stuff. Um, not only in like the presentation or even like what the content is, but, uh, um, you know, just, I don't know you know, in, installing stuff and, you know, public spaces, you know, I've always been so gun shy and now it's like, well, screw it. Everybody's going to have to live with my sound. It's going to have to exist in a space where I may not, you know, necessarily be able to contain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That idea about the Braille, I'm still thinking about having to consider your ability to get information as being a risky situation because you have to touch it mm-hmm. to get that information. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, have, you know, there's, there's a lot of great assistive technology now that, you know, like my smartphone, my iPhone is the greatest piece of like adaptive and assistive tech that I've ever had because, you know, you got an app, you just point it in front of a sign and it'll read it in real time to you, or you can snap the picture and read it later sort of thing. You can get that, that info and you know your screen reader on your on your uh device will just you know in the in the nice robot voice will tell you 
what's on that printed page, you know? So it's like the autonomy, the experience in like a gallery for, for a blind person is, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, becoming easier to obtain and you don't necessarily have to deal with this sort of dictated experience as you would with a guide or a docent or something like that, some kind of tour. Um, yeah. So I don't read Braille. Um, so I kind of avoid it. Um, sometimes I think of it as a dead language, but um, I do know people that do. And I also in, in like, you know, the, the goal of making my work as accessible as possible. It's really important to me to have, you know, that element there if need be. And then if I have any kind of like, um, you know, input on how the exhibition is, is uh, you know, prepared or or or. Um, you know, put together, then making sure that the signage is easier to read and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Hmm. I think, like, I, I feel like I feel like maybe it's, it's good then that we have this format here because this, you know, doing the podcast, the first thing we have is your your, your piece. So we get mm-hmm. to, you get to hear it in a very personal, like, I choose to put headphones on and listen to it at this moment mm-hmm. kind of situation. Um, but then it also makes me think that uh, I think we could we could do better about how we just describe things in our in our texts. Like I think like we've never never had uh, text descriptions of the cover images for each of the podcasts. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean you know yeah. image descriptions aren't that hard hard to do. I know a lot of people are really you know shy about doing them because they want to be able to do them in a way, you know, the right way where there really isn't any standard, you know, you can be as poetic yeah. as you want, or you could even just yeah. say, it's a turtle wading in the water. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, know what the color of a turtle would be, even if you said it's green and brown, but you know, they might know a turtle and what, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and then, mm-hmm. and then even like producing transcripts um, of your podcast, um, you know, yeah. for people that can't, you know, necessarily hear what's going on is still like if you think that information is important enough um then by all means you know either yeah. like and if you can put it on youtube and, and hope that the automatic captioning works and that kind of thing you know that's always a good gesture but <laughs> it's not the best you know what no. i mean but um it, it is yeah. it is something if you have no budget then the youtube thing is is probably your best bet yeah yeah i i, I wanted to say in, in listening to this, you get a, you get kind of a good feel of what the space is like to kind of get back to the to the piece, mm-hmm. um, and it and it feels like you're it's like a kind of walking around, but also like a layered walking around, right? Like it's th- there's close moments and there's farther away moments and more abstract things that sound like they might be synthesized, but I don't can't tell. And I, I, I'm curious about that aspect of it, but then like how this this piece fits into your uh, practice in a whole because I also, also know that you've worked with other people to make videos yeah yeah so with with the mix on on give up the ghost there's you kind of think about it as like if you're mixing a rock band where you have like mm-hmm. the bed tracks of like the bass and the drum and the guitar and stuff and that's kind of like the ambient sound 
of of the space and traveling through it and then when it you know gets up close and somebody's like which or something like that or there's like a bonk bonk and like Hubert swearing or something like that you know just kind of mixing that in so it's in the forefront you know and thinking of it as like a sound design sort of approach to something cinematic you know um and so yeah there's a lot of layering uh, uh of stuff on top of it of itself and kind of like tried to do um some call and response between you know certain games and that sort of stuff um but then the you know um trying to compose it um like the way that i that i you know normally do with a lot of my work and um you know some of it i didn't do any um i didn't all of the sounds are of those sources but i did some like granular synthesis sort of sampling of some of the stuff where it sounds more dramatic like some point maybe in the middle where it gets all kind of like whoosh, moving around mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's when I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get all Hollywood on it. So it kind of like sounds like something from like, if you've seen annihilation or, or, you know, mm-hmm. any of those, those kind of movies where I, you know, I kind of wanted to put, put it in that kind of, um, you know, imaginary space um, just to kind of show how these sounds are still sort of, you know, you, you can kind of put them in a more modern sort of, you know, presentation or, or perspective and see, you know, um, I don't know, put it, put it, put it into an imaginary space as opposed to this, you know, you know, dimly or brightly lit, depending on the room of the, of the galloping ghost. And then, you know, smelling like the food from the concession stand, you know, just taking you out of like the real straight field recording sort of space which is something that mm-hmm. I've I've started doing more and more of with my work I do a lot of work that exists with um, field recordings that I've done and the sound of things interacting with architecture like whether it's the sound of like my my white tip blind person cane or like echolocation or like clicking like with my mouth or with a clicker and that sort of stuff um you know, when you put like sounds like that into a space and you've put on headphones, if you know, if I do a binaural recording, like even just a straight recording, you can get a, an idea of, um, you know, the size of the space, the height, um, the material, um, you know, if I'm in a church, you know, how it's, you know, bouncing off marble or, or whatever, or if you're outside and it's bouncing off of a brick or, you know, or even the ground or, you know, uh, tree and grass and sort of thing, you can have this experience where you're listening and getting an idea of, of the space that I'm in, um, whether I'm dragging my cane and it just sounds gross and gritty, um, you know, or I'm in like a 30,000 square foot empty warehouse where I'm just banging on a huge, like not a, not a, well, there's one recording I have where I've going, there's a mini fridge box and it's empty. It's a cardboard box that a mini fridge was in. It's the only thing in this space of banging on it. And it sounds like, if you took John Bonham playing drums and like threw it in an arena, you know, it's, and you get the sense of like, holy crap, that's a five second delay on that reverb. Then that's a big ass room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in, you know, blind people, uh, I mean, if you ask anybody like what, you know, I, I've asked a bunch of different people, sighted people, blind people, whatever, what their favorite sounds are. And a lot of people go with water and rain and that sort of thing for whatever reason. And a lot of blind people will say that, you know, rain and these sort of like natural sounds um, 
are either their their favorite sounds or pleasant to listen to because like rain outside will give you a sense of how big a space is because it's like hitting everything you know so it's like um oh this rain keeps going like for you know 150 feet so therefore i'm pretty sure that this space is open and you know and you can hear it off of rooftops and then dripping off stuff so you know it can be used for navigation or you know that kind of thing and and so um yeah it's a lot of things that you may not even notice that you know when you walk out of a large room into like a carpeted studio you know you 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 are like echo locating passively no matter who you are you whether you pay attention to what's going on or not um you know it it is you know it it becomes pretty obvious where you are if you close your eyes and you're like oh yeah this is a dead room um you know there's no reflection at all i'd say it's probably eight by eight sort of thing you know we all have the Hmm. you know we, we we're all able to do it as long as you know we're able to kind of hear it um and so yeah i've i've done a lot of work where um I'll, you know, run my cane up a wall as high as it goes. Um, there's a piece that I have on my SoundCloud now. It's like an hour long, um, just f- binaural field recordings of me getting off the the Blue Line CTA at Jackson Stop, going under the tunnel, and then getting back on the CTA Red Line train. And it just goes, you know, for, for almost an hour, Um sometimes you hear my cane running up on the roof of the tunnel, you know, and, and banging around and stuff. And sometimes you hear people like try to give me, you know, some kind of guide Mm -hmm. guidance or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if you've been in that, in that, in that tunnel. Yeah. yeah, And then if you listen to this, like, Oh, this is, I I think I know where this is. If you say like, I'm here, this is, this is where I'm going to be. And you listen, you start to realize like, oh, this is totally this space, and I recognize it just by, you know, hearing it. And it's just like, yeah. you know, it's also a space that I haven't been in um, probably since huh. February, you know. Um, yeah. It was part of my route to from Berwyn to Northwestern, and it's the reason why I, I made that piece, too, kind of in memory of when's the next time I'm going to be on the, in this gross space that I often <clears throat> regretted, regretted and resented, you know. Um, but, yeah, so. Yeah that's that's kind of how it ties into a lot of my work and then um as for you know mentioning like video stuff mm-hmm. um there's a a video that i did called cassette mythos that um um it was originally a sound piece and then um i worked with a a, a video maker that i've worked with for years uh frank pollard on kind of like stylizing this sort of retro futuristic sort of imagery around it that is based very uh um on my very minimal vision in the colors and the contrasts i like and stuff i set it all up um and uh, provided the the narrative of this thing you know um there's a there's a big old cassette deck in there there's like you know uh, all this sort of stuff that's nostalgic to me this kind of like arcane um audio tech and, and that sort of thing uh, featured in there, um, but it's it's probably the first thing that I've done in almost 25 years where I kind of controlled what the image was going to be. A lot of the times I'll, I will provide people with sounds and um, they either 
build a video mm-hmm. around it or they just incorporate it in in their film um mm-hmm. and, and so that's that's kind of how that's kind of like my relationship with collaborators um visually um yeah yeah, yeah I, f- I feel like there's a lot of reasons to to focus on nostalgia or on the past and you know it's really clear from how you've been talking about it that this piece is about a particular kind and sight of nostalgia and then the title, you know, leads us toward that about giving up the ghost. Yeah. Give, give, or give up the ghost. Um, but you know, like, the, the tricky thing with nostalgia is, though, you, you could get, end up, you could get stuck with things from the past that you don't want to, like, bring forward into the present. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess, like, have you dealt with that or, or can you say anything about like why it is like generally you're interested in nostalgia? Um, I think a lot of it has to do and, and, and you know, this being nostalgic for stuff, isn't like my whole, my whole thing, cool. you know, um, yeah. just in, in, in certain things. And I, I, I like to use a lot of, um, technology that was made for, for blind people, like some of the old talking books, um, tape machines. And then like, I have an eight RPM, record player that used to play these, you know, Library of Congress sort of books, on, you know, and using that mm. stuff to, you know, make art out of um, is really fun. It's at my disposal, at my disposal, and kind of like, I don't have to learn anything. This was designed for me to operate. So I'll do mm. that, you know, but it, but then when, you know, when it comes to stuff like the give up the ghost piece, um, you know, the nostalgia is to a time where I had this visual ocular centric connection to stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, I, I know I could still see some of these sort of things, you know, like early Super Mario Brothers and stuff, you know, like there's not, you know, nothing is lost in like shadows and shading and super graphics. So it's, it is really minimal. So it's like, oh, I hear that sound and I have uh, an image to kind of put that to or a memory um, you know, that, that a memory of, you know, there's a lot of trauma from when I was a kid for, you know, bef- this, I was a kid and went to public school before like the Americans with Disabilities Act sort of thing. So nobody had any, um, responsibility or legal commitment to make my education accessible or even, you know, care about what I was going through and the bullying and, you know, all this mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, if I can remember... If I could do something that kind of goes back to the time when, you know, I was happy or, you know, something that I used, you know, as an escape from this crap, then I should do it because, you know, if anything, it's going to be, you know, pleasing to me and bring back good memories and that sort of thing. And I totally understand that with, you know, uh, you know, when people kind of you know, people have a connection to nostalgia, whatever it is in their life. Um, There's certain things where it brings back, you know, like the MAGA stuff where it's like nostalgia to Mm -hmm. a time where those people weren't even born. You know, it's like, you know, it it has this sort of agenda that affects the world. It's yeah. I think there's a lot of thinking like that, that can be dangerous and there's a lot of things that we definitely need to progress and uh, progress from and, and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, if I can, re- if I can remember playing 
gauntlet or altered beast or any of these sort of things Mm -hmm. that's much better than remembering getting my ass kicked outside of school because i wore glasses with yellow tint and people called me pee face or something like that you know yeah i I spent a lot of time in arcades as a kid Mm -hmm. so for me they're a very like happy sort of nostalgic space yeah you know it's in man wasted a lot of money but also you know yeah Happily. Yeah, it's it, it was a thing when you were a kid that you can do, and, and now kids can't do it. But then again, kids just sit in their, you know, in their gaming space and talk to their friends just like, you know, we are now virtually. Like, mm-hmm. um, But, like, my son will play, uh, you know, you can get all those classic games on the PlayStation and Nintendo, so he plays that right. and, and appreciates that, you know, whether it's ironic or kind of like this was a really good game. Um, you know, like, yeah, sort of like, how come they haven't updated this for VR? And it's like, man, some things just need to stay how they were. Um, you know, which is one of the key things with nostalgia is like, let it, you know, let it just stay. Like why reboot Star Wars? You know, like (laughs) why why do any of that stuff? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think the, I think the main main thrust of what you're saying is like for you the nostalgia you're talking about is like restorative. Absolutely. In, in po- yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And and yeah, therapeutic for me as opposed yeah. to like oh yeah, I remember that crappy song. This is really funny sort of thing, you know. And, and I don't believe in guilty pleasures, you know. It's like <laughs> there's a Richard Marx song that came on and I'll leave it on. But then I'll also go and play Slayer in order to cleanse my palate sort of thing, you know. Um, but, you know, it's like, it, it, you know, if it sparks, you know, memory, I, I like knowing that my memory is still intact. There's a good portion of my life where mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot. And I think that was probably during the time when I was, you know, getting my, my BFA at, um, at SAIC and drinking and blowing off stuff and you know chasing girls and that kind of thing you know just being like uh you know your general 90s dude sort of thing where it's like i don't i don't remember a lot of that and i personally don't want to you know it's sort of like there's certain parts of your life where there's these growing moments where you're like this is great i learned a lot or like i'm so glad i don't remember this because I learned a lot by not remembering it. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's some kind of yeah. stoner logic totally around that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's something that you think about. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, but, but I, 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 I really, I, I really kind of am attracted to and in somewhat committed to this, you know, um, sort of retro futuristic sort of thing where, you know, um, the sounds of Star Trek were so awesome. And you know damn well that that technology never made that dinky little sound or that ridiculous imaginative sound. You know, it's like the sound of like science fiction movies and stuff like that in horror movies too, where they had to create an environment that no one has really ever experienced. It's like, this is, this place doesn't exist. This weapon or monster doesn't exist. So, um, you kind of create it. And, um, and I really, I love that because, you know, is, you know, as like a sound artist or, you know, like creates a lot um, still from like synthesizers and stuff. 
um, and, and just living in this sonic world where I have to listen to everything all the time, where it seems sometimes like something's right in my ear when it's really far away and, and that kind of thing and being tuned into voices. Mm-hmm. So like when someone's whispering, you know, I just get like telescopic hearing and can hear that no matter where it is, because that's what I've trained myself to do. Um, so sometimes it's like, oh, my God, get me out of this. It's everything all at once. Um, mm. But mm. I also like the comical bleep blorp sort of things, like whether it's like soothing sounds for babies by like Raymond Scott or even something that's like more highbrow like Stockhausen or or whatever where people were experimenting with this electronic stuff and it still sounds really comical at first and doesn't start to get menacing really until the late 60s or 70s you know and um yeah i don't know man i just wanted to be a robot when i was a kid so when i got my first vocoder <laughs> i was just just went overboard and um yeah <laughs> i don't know man yeah <laughs> So we'll hope that things kind of like level out and like we can all get in to see uh, Long Dream at the MCA Chicago soon. Um, it looks like a really great show. Uh, I've, I've, I know a bunch of people who are in it, uh, friends of mine from Chicago. Um, but if people wanted to find your work uh, online or anywhere else in, in person or in the virtual world, where would they go to find it? You can go to thisisandyslater.net um, and that space should have enough links and info for you to follow wherever else my stuff exists. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thanks guys. With us today. Yeah, thanks Andy. Thanks so much. This was fun.